Welcome to Startup Dads, a podcast about the highs and lows of building a business and raising a family at the same time. For more information about the topics we cover on the podcast and other Startup Dads related content, you can follow us on Twitter at Startup Dads Pod. I'm Amrit, co-founder of Hyper Exponential, a tech startup that I co-founded in 2017. It's grown from a two-person team working out of my kitchen to a profitable business with several large clients and more than 20 team members across London and Europe. I'm also dad to Evie, my first child who was born last December. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Startup Dads. I'm delighted to welcome Scott Hawksworth to the show. Scott, can you introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about what makes you a startup dad? Hey, Emirate, thanks for having me here. And sure, what makes me a startup dad is first the dad part. I am the father to a little girl named Charlotte, who is 17 months old. And I work for a number of startups. Actually, I work for a company called Soar Payments, where I am a podcast producer and host and marketer and uh, director of sales as well. And then I recently have started a new business which is called The CBD Guide. And there I am hosting another podcast and producing it and also going into informational guides and and things like that all about the CBD industry. Amazing. So you are celebrating your second Father's Day as like I am then, because Evie's 18 months old. Yeah, it's always fun. I love Father's Day. My wife has been chatting with me like, what would you like to do? And I'm like, well, maybe we should go to the beach and Maybe I'll get a nice beer or something later that day and treat myself. <laughs> For sure. But I think having these special days where you just take a little bit of time just to be dad all day long is certainly something, speaking very honestly, we'll probably come into it in a little while, something that it's not easy to do when you have startups. So good to have these days, actually. So Scott, let's jump in because you've got an amazing background. Again, I was super fortunate to come on your podcast and we talked a little bit about this, but now I get to really dive a little bit deeper. So could you talk to me about, you know, how did you get into payments processing? I suppose let's start there. It's kind of an odd industry to sort of fall into. So I began with actually podcasting with another startup that I had begun, which was called Audio Skills, which was about teaching people how to record and mix music from home. And as part of that, I had started this podcast. And as things go, that startup didn't ultimately work out. But from that, the most successful thing was that podcast. We got tons of downloads. I really saw that there was so much marketing potential and content potential in podcasting. And I'm sure you know this, obviously, you host a podcast. And I was brought on as a consultant for Soar Payments to host a payments podcast. And I actually didn't know much of anything about the payments world. So I was kind of learning on the go and kind of creating this whole podcast as I went along. And that's where I kind of got into the fintech world as well. And I realized, wow, there is so much connection here and overlap. And I fell in love with the industry. I was like, payments is awesome. It's so exciting. It's technology. It's startups. It's all of this, right? And then I was brought on in a more significant role by SorPay to handle the sales and the marketing kind of thing. And uh, yeah, that's how I got into to payment processing. That's really interesting. And you're right. You know, I think payments is one of those fascinating industries. It's become very fashionable. It's very popular now, like the rise of Stripe, I mm-hmm. think, has made kind of everyone interested in payments processing in a way <laughs> that maybe you possibly wouldn't have been. But it is a fascinating industry. And you, you think a little bit about how getting paid on the Internet is something you take for granted, right? Yeah. And actually, the global aspect of the Internet, the kind of 
complex nature of the way transactions can take place, particularly with the rise of SaaS and recurring payments and all those sorts of things. It's definitely something that I think lots of us assume is just there. And there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd add to that. A lot of startups, people don't think about the payment side of things. And there's folks in various industries and things like that, that, you know, maybe their payments will be a little more complex. It won't be as easy as just signing up for Stripe. It's just such an important piece of the puzzle. So we work with a lot of startups at Soar Payments, kind of help them go through the process and get approved. So it's, it's really good. Yeah, that's super useful to hear. And I think, again, it's a really good point. Definitely worth checking out, Soar, if you're a listener and you're doing the, the higher risk side of things, right? It, it's actually not necessarily guaranteed that you'll be able to use all, all of the services that everyone talks about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to explore your entrepreneurial side a little bit and talk to me about how you ended up crossing over onto CBD. Because I'm not <laughs> going to lie, that's not an obvious career transition uh, to, to me from payments to CBD. So yeah, could you talk to me about that? Yeah, you know, it's funny though. It was one of those things where through the process of my work with SOAR Payments, we would get lots of calls and we still get lots of calls from folks who have started CBD companies and are looking for payment processing solutions. And so that was a bit of, okay, I, I kind of talked to a few of these folks, but then also, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with the legal landscape in the uh, United States, but in 2018, there was a farm bill that was passed that uh, legalized uh, CBD specifically. And just to make sure everybody's on the same page, this is from the hemp plant. So it's only 0.3% THC. So it's one of those things it doesn't get you high. And so this was legalized. You know, you just hear all this buzz about it. And there was actually a a shop that opened up, oh, a few blocks from where I live, and they were just selling CBD products and really nice storefront and all of this. And so I was just curious about it. And I'm one of those people that with business, if there's potential and there's a new industry, that that kind of blue ocean that everybody's looking for, it was just intriguing to me. And so I read a bit and I looked at the landscape as well of the podcast scene. And I thought, you know what? I think I can add some value here. I think I can really be a part of this. And so I'm always looking for new exciting projects to do. And I had a partner and still have a partner who had called me up and we kind of talked about it. And I said, you know what, let's do this. And so that's kind of how I just said, hey, CBD, that seems interesting. Let's do it. (laughs) That's super cool. I'd love to kind of push on this a little bit and just understand your thought process for jumping into a new business. You know, you clearly got the entrepreneurial mindset. I love to talk to founders, particularly founders who go at different industries from different perspectives. So what was your process for actually working out whether this was a viable business. Are you a jump and then work it out sort of guy or did you kind of do lots of planning? Really great question. I absolutely, you know, you got to do your research. There's a number of organizations that have done research on the size of the CBD market, the growth potential. I'm originally an SEO guy. So I was doing, I guess you would call it competitive analysis and just seeing, okay, what other CBD websites are out there? What is the search volume looking like? These types of things to kind of say, okay, is this real? I think it's one of those things where any startup is a leap of faith. So you're never going to be 100% sure, yep, this is going to all work out and this is a slam dunk, perfect. But you can get close enough and there was enough from my experience and what I saw when I was kind of doing some preliminary research that I was like, this is, this is something worth pursuing. 
Great, great stuff. I, I totally agree with you there. That, like you said, there's nothing you can do to <laughs> uh, uh, fundamentally, right, to eliminate all the uncertainty. Otherwise, you know, I always use the phrase to myself, if it were easy, everyone would be doing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think I love your thought process there. It makes a lot of sense. You've got to scope out the market a little bit. And again, seems obvious, but actually there are different ways to find out uh, how a market works. That SEO angle is really interesting, actually. Yeah, again, I just, I come at it from that SEO digital marketing background because that's what I've been doing for my entire career. And I've started so many different websites and projects over the years. And so I always kind of begin at, you know, what's your path? Because I think the two big questions are, okay, well, you've got revenue, right? You want to get revenue or do you want to build an audience? And what do you do first? Do you chase revenue first or do you chase that audience building first? And I'm kind of a, hey, let's build an audience. And then if we have a path to revenue that you can kind of see, then you try to build that. So tell me, uh, how's it going? It's going really, really well. It's been really exciting. And I've been so floored by the quality of guests I've been able to get. The industry is so welcoming and friendly. And, you know, we're the new kids on the block and uh, just reaching out to folks and saying, hey, do you want to come on the show and and talk about your business and your products? And people are like, yes. (laughs) And so that's always exciting. I was super interested when I heard about what you were doing, because it sounds like people will look back at CBD. I mean, we'll never know how it all pans out, but the kind of heyday, the golden years of like the beginning of the the growth. And, And what I found is, you know, working when you see industries at that point, and it's a really positive sum game, you know, there's not so much, it's not that there's not competition, but I feel like people have more to benefit from creating more than to attacking each other. It must be a super interesting time to be in the industry. I don't know whether you agree with me there or not, but you know, that's the kind of phase it's in. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. You know, like I said earlier, that blue ocean side of things, and we're all figuring it out. And then the exciting thing too about CBD is there's still, there's so much research that is just really beginning because it was only legalized in the US, I guess, three years ago now. That's so, so young for an industry. So the possibilities are just endless, <laughs> the way I look at it. I'd love to know about how you went about building your CBD business at the same time as working at Saw. Can you talk to us a little bit about this? Because it seems like the classic side hustle. Yeah. Oh, it's the classic side hustle. So working on nights, working on weekends. If I sore pay is kind of my main thing still, it's my main focus, but obviously you want to give as much energy as you can to your other projects. You know, sometimes it's okay. I may have to jump on something during the day, but then I've got to give that back to Sorpay if I'm missing some time there. So yeah, classic fitting in bits and pieces throughout the schedule and really embracing a bit of a grind with that of, of, hey, you know, it's late. Charlotte's asleep. You know, my wife, Megan, is asleep. Uh, I've got to get something done. And so I'm going to take some time here and the house is quiet and I've got a cat on my lap. Let's let's go. <laughs> that kind of thing. I definitely can relate to that. The art of optimizing your life around when everyone else in the house is asleep. <laughs> yes. I don't have a cat, but I can definitely relate to that. I think the key things about being a startup dad, startup mom is learning to fit it in, right? Yeah. And it helps too. I'm a, a complete night owl. So that, that helps. <laughs> I think that is a big help. I I don't know if you found this, but I read that couples in startup relationships where one of them is a night owl and one of them is an early riser, they actually just get on a lot better because the reality of the situation is that there's just not enough time in the day. So if you can steal a little bit of time at each end, it actually just makes life a little bit easier. And I can relate to that because I'm definitely an early riser and my wife, she won't be listening to this, but she's definitely not. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's actually even helpful in childcare. Mm. My wife is more of an early riser. And, and so when Charlotte was younger, 
we were able to really kind of balance a lot of the things because I could handle some of the later night stuff while she would get a few winks and then she'd be up early in the morning where I'm just, I'm useless zombie. <laughs> yeah, uh, agreed. Totally agreed. Zooming back to the crossover between Saw and your CBD business, I'm interested to know whether the lessons you've learned helped you in what you were doing and, and maybe also actually some of the, maybe the surprises that you weren't expecting that you had to learn about. Yeah, I've learned a lot with building the payments podcast, PayPod, the payments and fintech podcast. I learned a lot about what it takes to build a successful podcast because, you know, I'd mentioned I did the audio skills one and that was more of, you know, it was a passion project and and a passion business. So uh, a lot of folks were just really eager, but that was just a big piece. Whereas, you know, I was brought on with SorePay. My main thing was the podcasting. So I learned so much, especially in a, you know, financial businessy type uh, niche where there's just a lot of, I mean, hard work and things like that that go into it, but also just time and, and learning who to contact, who to talk with, who to get on the show, how you reach the certain, the best people to be on the show. Those lessons all have carried over to the CBD guide really, really well. And then just sort of the marketing, SEO side of things. I'm not sure how familiar you are with SEO, but it's always changing. Google and I guess Bing, for those of you out there who use Bing, <laughs> it's they're always changing the rules. They're always changing what signals they want to see. Technology is always moving forward. You know, is your website mobile? That was something no one cared about 10 years ago, right? And those lessons carried over completely to the CBD guide, even down to, you know, for PayPod, we do show notes and just the things I've learned over the years of how to better craft show notes that, uh, that are, are just great and interesting and, and will attract, uh, whether it be links or visitors and, and listens and all the good stuff that you want. So that absolutely has carried over. And were there any bits that caught you by surprise when you were moving industries? Because again, I think one of the things you've touched on there is actually, and I often think about this um, I probably said this on the podcast that, you know, as a founder, you often re go back in time and reflect on what you could do better and differently if you could have a go again. <laughs> you know, one of the things you were talking about there just speaks to me of experience and efficiency. You know, I suppose I'm interested for people, you know, like you going from SOAR to the CBD guide, what the less pleasant surprises were. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the big ones, it's an ongoing shift, but going from a B2B niche to a B2C niche it can be a little jarring and even just, and I don't want to get too technical or, or, or whatever here, but being a podcast which is aimed at professionals, which is what PayPod is, just the language, the discussion, the type of prep I do is way more, it's just more businessy. I, I, I don't know a better way to, to phrase it. Whereas with the CBD guide, we're trying to reach the layperson, the individual, and how, you know, maybe CBD products can be a part of their general wellness and their general lifestyle. I had to kind of shift even how I was hosting and even how I just chat with the guests and the questions I ask and things like that. Again, that B2B to B2C change, I think, is, is pretty significant. And it really does change a lot of even just the tone of everything you're doing, whether you're just writing a little piece of copy or, you know, reaching out to somebody. Yeah, I've never thought of that before. I suppose if you're B2B and you're thinking very clearly, you know, I know this because again, founder of a B2B business, you're probably a lot more 
I don't know again whether this is true, but my instinct is you're much more representative of your, of your business than if you're an individual necessarily. And of course, you could be an individual running a, a small business, but the proportion of you, which is your business, is quite different, I think, if you're kind of yeah running a smaller, more independent business or you're running a bigger corporation, so to speak. Lots of startup stuff. Let's talk about the dad stuff. So you've got a 17-month-old girl. I can relate to the absolute joys of that. How has being a parent changed the way you work? It's changed pretty significantly. I think the big thing, and I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir here, is that it's a time crunch that you have never experienced before because now you have this whole wonderful being that <laughs> involves a lot of time and energy, and it's it's beautiful time and energy, but that creates this time crunch. And so for me, I had less time. <laughs> I have less time. And that kind of changed how I work because I used to be one of those guys where, you know, and again, I've worked on so many different startups over the years where I like to get in the zone. Everybody talks about the zone. You know, you get your headphones on, you got your music going, whatever you're doing, and you're plugging away, right? You're plugged in. I would take some time to ramp up to that. And, you know, I'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to read this article. I'm going to watch a little five-minute YouTube video. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then after, you know, 20 minutes, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, I'm with it. Let's rock and roll. I don't have that time anymore. <laughs> I have to be able to almost like an on-off switch, just be like, okay, I'm on. I've got to get this stuff done because I've got to feed Charlotte. I told my wife, Megan, that I'm going to help out with lunch today. So, okay, I'm on. Knock this out. Boom, I'm off. Feed Charlotte. Come back. Boom, I'm on. Developing that sort of on-off switch, and it's still a challenge. It's not easy, but that has been a huge, huge change. And then I think just more intentional scheduling and more and some of this has been spurred by COVID-19 and things like that. It's the world of Zoom and you have to have to schedule these types of things. But just being, you know, I live on Google Calendar and, and I don't think I ever lived on Google Calendar this way before, where it's like, if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't exist in my life. <laughs> and so I need to do that. So just very intentional, okay, where am I going? What am I doing? Who am I talking to? And then being able to do that on off. That's that's really been big changes. It's a really valuable insight. And I think if you're a founder of your business, you do have to do lots of different types of work. I can totally relate to what you're saying. Speaking honestly to you, I've found that really difficult, that really context-witchy, interrupty type of work. And But like you say, that's the life of having a small child, right? They need what they need and they're the number one priority. What I found it's made me have to do is have to batch up certain types of work. I know that if I've got to look after Evie for, at certain points in time, I just don't set myself the act of trying to do some really creative work where, like you say, that on-ramp, where you have that on-ramp and then you can work deeply for a long time and then off-ramp. On those days, you know, I've learned to be like, okay, you know, this is going to be one of those tasky days where I'm just taking stuff off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm just going to bang them out <laughs> one by one. I love it. Yeah, that's it. It's a really key insight, actually. I've not heard a single startup mom or dad not say that their calendar is the, you know, the single thing that well drives them crazy, but also keeps them sane, if you, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Exactly. you got to live by it. And yeah, you know, I've got a very intricate system of synchronizing my calendar with my wife, Sarah's too. I can, I can relate. So let's talk about, I suppose, some of the challenges, because we know that that's the hard part. And part of this show is to just talk about how successful entrepreneurs make it work. So, you know, how do you make the time to balance and deal with the stresses? And how do you work with Megan to kind of make it work? So making the time, I think that's one of the biggest things, making the time to also have that self-care time where you're not 
working, where you're just in the moment with your child. That is really, really important to me. So for example, one rule I set down, and I think that's that's what I've done is I've kind of just had some internal rules. One of the big ones is I always have at least one day of rest a week where I'm not checking my email. I'm not pushing the ball forward on any project. I am just there in the moment. And it's whether I'm taking care of Charlotte or Megan, myself and Charlotte are going and having a picnic, whatever we're doing. Or, you know, once Charlotte's in bed, I can sit down and, and pick up a video game controller and, <laughs> and yeah, give yeah, myself absolutely. give myself a few minutes to just zone out and have fun. I think that time is so restorative and it's so important. And, you know, we were talking about the time crunch and your calendar and things like that, protecting that. That's something that other projects I, I worked on, even before I was a father, I lost sight of that sometimes and I, I burned myself out before. And that's not good for you personally, that's not good for your marriage, and it's certainly not good for your business to do that. So really protecting that time, and it's still a challenge. The fact is, too, we had this whole pandemic happening, and we live in a two-bedroom condo. So my wife, uh, she's a marital and family therapist, so we're both fortunate in that we kind of have these amorphous schedules that have a bit of flexibility. But they're here. <laughs> They're here during the day. They're here when I'm doing podcasting. Um, we also have a friend uh, named Heather who comes over and she helps us with childcare. And she's here. And she's got projects that she works on as well. So we're all kind of living in this space, which is very nice. But, you know, it's not the largest space. It's not like I'm up in the attic and they're down in the basement. So the communication aspect and the balance aspect is so, so critical. You know, I'll tell either Heather or my wife, Megan, I'll be like, okay, I've got three podcast recordings today at, at X time, Y time, and Z time. So Charlotte's got to be either in her room with the door closed and you're entertaining her, or maybe it's time to go for a walk or go to the park because I need silence. And we balance that. And then, you know, when you have three caregivers in this space and we all kind of have our own projects, I've got to be able to jump in kind of going back to that on off switch where it's Heather has a call <laughs> and Charlotte's just, you know, being a bit fussy. And so I'll pick up Charlotte and, and be like, okay, I've got her for 10 minutes. Those kinds of things. It's this balancing act that it's not always easy. And there've been times where the stresses happen and that's where also knowing when to kind of take a time out. I'm a musician. I play piano and guitar. There's times where I'll just be like, I've got to pick up a guitar and bang out Wonderwall. Yeah. <laughs> I just got to do it. <laughs> I've got to do it. I love Oasis. They're one of my favorite bands. But yeah, creating that space is really important as well is, is say, hey, man, <laughs> if you're in the weeds, as, as they might say, in terms of if you've ever been in you know, a waiter or a waitress or, or things like that, call it out, have that communication and reach out to your partner or another caregiver in your life. That's where that comes in. I never thought we would say that one of the startup dad solutions would be Wonderwall. <laughs> Absolutely. That's one of my the highlights of the, of the show so far. But, you know, something you said there about you have a business. If you have a business and you have a partner, the partner has to be super understanding. Like you, I'm really blessed to have that. But it takes a high priority. And then you have a kid. It's also a super high priority. And what you often stop, but I've definitely done this, is you stop thinking about you. And I think your point, you know, the analogy of putting on your own oxygen mask first before you try and do anything else. My dad, in his very kind of um, blunt way, would say, you know, you can't help anyone if you're dead. 
right? And I think it's a really important thing that you don't burn yourself out. What can you do for your business or your family? And that's something that I found really difficult to action. But I think, as you rightly say, taking the time out to yeah, play a bit of Wonderwall is a super valuable skill. Well, if you think about it, Amrit, you want to give your best self to your children. And if you are bouncing off the walls, too stressed, your mind's focusing on, well, this call, what happened here? Got to do X, Y, and Z. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And if you're really stressed out, people pick up on that and children are people. And you don't want, I don't want, and I don't think anybody wants to be that way around your kids because that's just not great. And so that's where I think the self-care is really important as well, because that'll get me into the headspace where... I can be the father I want to be and I can roll with the punches that happen with children. You know, if my daughter falls and bumps her head and is freaking out and I'm also been freaking out because of 50 other things, can I be there and be present and be that steadfast uh, father who just picks her up and says, it's all right, (laughs) you know? Yeah, such a great framing of it. And, you know, like you say, as you touch on there, I've often found thinking a little bit about what the right thing to do by Evie is it's been an incredibly valuable way to cut through <laughs> some some decisions. And uh, it's a really great way of framing it, actually. So, yeah, I really, really like that. That's brilliant. Scott, I'd like to ask you the question now that I ask every guest. What's the biggest lesson you've learned from your journey in entrepreneurship that you'd want to pass on to Charlotte? The value of consistency and balance. And these are two things that I think in the startup world really are keys to success. You know, I, I to use the the term chopping wood, you know, just consistently show up every day, <laughs> hammer away on that tree trunk, chop wood, but realize that within that there is balance because you can't just wear yourself out completely by chopping that wood all the time. Yes, sprints happen. Yes, they're in the startup world. You've got to give 150% at times or else, you know, the, the whole thing's not going to work. But it's not sustainable to stay in that mode. So I think that consistency and balance in all things is so, so critical. I mean, I would hope to pass that on to Charlotte, especially as she, you know, goes into school and she's studying and, you know, maybe she's got activities and things like this. That's going to be really, really key. And then the other thing I would hope to, to pass on is surround yourself with great people. Whether it's people that, you know, like I've talked about, my wife, caregivers, what have you, but even in your professional world, people who you can lean on if you need to, people who you can bounce ideas off of. So you're not just on this island and you're not just taking all of it yourself, you know, just just in the trenches alone, taking grenades. That's not, that's also not sustainable. That kind of ties back into that balance aspect. That's where I really feel I've learned a lot and I would hope to pass that on. Fantastic advice. You're absolutely right. Your point about thinking about your professional life, the people that you surround yourself with is something I've been thinking about recently because you know that kind of truism that you know you are a function of all the people you spend your your time with. I think often people forget that the people you spend most of your time with are actually your work colleagues. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's one of those funny things. It's so true. So super valuable lessons. Scott, that was an absolutely amazing episode. You're uh, theoretically a month behind me, and I feel like I learned a lot of life tips from you there with respect to uh, <laughs> everything, startup and dad life. So amazing. Thank you so much for that. Before we wrap up, we'd like to have our regular feature, Startup Shoutouts. That's where we shine a light on some organizations we admire in the startup space, so whether it's founders, entrepreneurs, people, or businesses. Startup Shoutouts. Uh, so Scott, who's your startup shout out today? 
my shout out today is for an organization that's a nonprofit organization. It's called Erasing the Distance, and it's erasingthedistance.org. Basically, they are a fantastic nonprofit organization that uses true stories to lift the deadly stigma that stops so many people for asking for help, especially men, about mental health challenges and things like that. And really, they're all about just erasing this, this stigma around mental health. And I think for, for men specifically, that's a big challenge that a lot of men have is, you know, talking about it, sharing their stories, saying like, hey, it's okay to not be okay sometimes. And actually, June 14th to the 21st is actually Men's Health Week. So it's really important to talk about men's mental health. And actually, they are launching a new podcast this month, which is called One Story at a Time. And that's where they interview people about their mental health experiences, including stories about parenting and the impact of masculinity on mental health. And our friend Heather that I had mentioned earlier in the show, she's actually the executive artistic director of this organization, and she does amazing work. So it's just an important thing. So that's my shout out. That's a a wonderful shout out. That's going straight on my list as soon as that comes out. That sounds like an amazing initiative. And yeah, part of the goal of this show is to talk a little bit about the hard parts, right? Because yeah, everyone hears about the billion dollar exits and the big growths and all of that. Whereas in reality, you know, they happen few and far between and for a few days at a time. And the rest of it is the hard parts and the challenges. So super valuable to get that stuff out there and shared. Absolutely. And it's it's like I was saying, Amrit, if you're overwhelmed, if your mental health isn't as good as it can be, then you aren't going to be there for your business or your family. And it's important to, to kind of be mindful of that. Brilliant. Well, Scott, before we go, I'd love to know, how can we find out a little bit more about you, the CBD guide? Is there anything you want to share before we drop off? Yeah, absolutely. The CBDguide.com. That is where you can find me, find the show, find everything that we're doing there. Um, and then, of course, I'm also on LinkedIn. So Scott Hawksworth, if you ever want to connect, talk about a project, whatever, I'm always uh, happy to connect with folks. Scott, that's been an absolutely fantastic episode. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Many thanks to today's guest. You'll find links to them and their work in the show notes. It would really help us if you shared the show with a friend or colleague. So if you know someone who might find this podcast valuable, please pass it on to them. If you'd like to connect with me, reach out on Twitter at Startup Dad's Pod. 